0: I hate our computer and I'm really getting sick of um uh what the <laughs> Pro Tools.
1: <laughs> Pro Tools is fine.
0: I need to learn Ableton. We just need it's to clean the up the studio. Bottom line.
1: We just need to clean the studio. It's, it's clean.
2: It's we're already back to everyone's gotta learn Ableton. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ableton Revival, twenty twenty.
2: Ableton revival, man.
1: Music's good. So, sell your day. modular, get a laptop. Yeah.
0: I want to use modular with Ableton, you know?
1: Whoa. That sounds revolutionary. Shut (laughs) up.
0: I know. It's like, whoa, you're really, (laughs) (laughs) I just, uh, I, I don't know. I think I, I experienced many limitations with, um, recording music live in the way that I've learned how to via my career in synth pop, um, during the weird days and just learning sean's method of making music which is all very much uh, you know bang out a track do it like rehearse it twice and then hit record and play it again and then it's done you know
1: yeah if it's um, not good in 30 minutes it's never going to be good that's 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 how that's i always make music. Been my philosophy yeah. too yeah. really is that yeah. how you
0: i was curious like
2: how you no i'm work. the same i'm actually go. i'm i'm doubling down on it because I'm not you're using like, Ableton anymore. Oh, you're not. Okay. I'm all going through just an analog mixer, and mm-hmm.
1: that just comes so out to a two-track. You've, you've lost your Ableton chops, and that's why everything was distorted. Maybe
2: that? that's why I can't figure this shit out. Yeah, maybe it's just <laughs> I can't do Ableton anymore. I, I don't know.
0: mean, it's not that I want like, to like heavily rely on the process of like making. I don't know. What do people use Ableton for? Like making loops and just like arranging all these like st- stems and stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I used to use it just for multi-track recording. Yeah, which was good, but it's, multi-track drifting.
0: I don't really know. It's maybe I just don't know how to make music, and that's what, I just need to learn my own method, you know, or I like mean, copy someone else's.
2: I think it's generally, That's how you make music, right? Yeah. Is like you copy other people's, and
0: well, I'm just fail
2: at copying other people's. And by failing at copying other people's Come up music, with something do you a little bit new. Yeah,
1: you like figure out yeah, how you do it. I
0: just feel like, um, personally, I've had some limitations on doing things the Sean way.
1: I mean, coming up with your own way just takes hours and hours and hours and hours of work, and that's yeah. that's straight up it. It's just like spend spend 200 hours making bad music oh, and then great. Yeah, I'm, I'm being honest. <laughs> <Awesome>. That's it. That's <laughs> so what I'm going
0: to do this winter because I mean, I, I will have to get another job besides um, my current retail job and weddings are ending. So, you know, I'm probably going to be hustling again, still more, but I would like to get back on track with my schedule. And I'm just like, not sure what that's going to look like in terms of method, but I plan on learning from my peers, Chris
2: yeah resident (laughs) ableton coming over
0: (laughs) or or we come to you or whatever
2: i'll have you making i'll have you putting ping pong delays on every track in no time Sick. i'm here for it
0: i I don't know like i i don't want to just copy someone's method but i do need some help because it's just been a while since i've attempted something and i was just really disappointed in whatever i was doing before i'm just like throw it all in the trash you know yeah, yeah. that kind of moment you know?
2: throwing stuff in the trash is good that's the best like music making tip i can give really well yeah it's like kind of like sean what you were saying it's like you know if something's bad then like you can either spend months trying to make it good or just throw it out and wake up the next day and try and to do something different yeah. and start from scratch um, yeah, this I mean that's that's
1: that, that's what works for me. And yeah. I, like I, mean, I totally get that that doesn't work for everyone. People yeah, some people some people mm-hmm.
2: make amazing music by taking something and just working on it for months.
1: Yeah, D- D- Doug Lee, amazing. He puts out like one track every four years because he spends four years like obsessing over little details.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's cool though.
2: Yeah, um, I don't, don't have the patience for. I'm I'm lazy is really where <laughs> it comes down to. I'm really lazy.
1: Well, no, it's 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 like a it's. It's it's how much work it takes to get something a little bit better. I just want whatever
0: music I happen to release to have like a lasting impact, and that's why I get very obsessive about it. That's why I was so obsessive, and I laid down the law with the first like further reductions thing. Was because I was just like, nope, nope. (sighs) I was like in super songwriter disciplinarian mode. But yeah, I mean, I'm talking about. I'm I'm struggling mostly with my way of music-making methods for dance-oriented music and that kind of thing. I don't feel, because I do have ambitions with songwriting stuff, and I'm really trying to return to that as well. Um, I want to make some more chill, spaced-out, psychedelic love songs, et cetera, and revive some of my old projects. Um, But I mean, just in terms of, I don't personally know how to make music, dance music by myself Mm -hmm. yet. It just doesn't sound good. Hmm. Or maybe maybe I've like maybe made it sounds like two tracks and that's it. Right.
2: I, I mean, have you sent it to other people? Yeah. Okay. Do they say it doesn't sound good?
0: They said that... I feel
2: like people tend to think it, that their stuff doesn't sound good, but then it just doesn't sound like everything else. But it actually sounds great.
1: That can definitely be the case. But sometimes things just not I don't oscillate.
0: remember what the feedback was. Maybe it was like, "Oh, you it seems incomplete or something." And that bummed mm. me out cuz I was like, "What else do I even add?"
1: Right,
2: right, right. And
0: how do I add to something that I recorded a year and a half ago? Ableton. You know, I'm just like, "What
1: What Roo about exp- expanding the 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 scope here a little bit? Like, CZ, how do you feel as a writer? Uh like uh, how does your creative process sort of I mean, correlate I kind to what we talking about I pretty much resonated
3: with, I think what you said earlier, Sean, that like you basically try and find someone whose style or approach speaks to you and then you copy it and you do it badly for a long time. And then eventually you start getting a a little bit better at it. And um, eventually you start to sort of figure out your own, your own voice. And that's, that's pretty much how the act of writing has been for me. Um, I started out just pretty much trying to copy all the writers that I loved and so you have
0: specific writers that you?
3: I mean, I would say Daniel the big Steel. one for me is probably David Foster Wallace, which is, okay. I guess, the uh, very cliche millennial answer. Yeah. But his writing and style of writing spoke to me in such a like like a vivid way that I modeled that for a long time. And going back to some of my older writing, it's like it's so clear that I was basically trying to. Imitate his voice. And it's only in the past couple years, I think, I've become, it's not even a confidence, like, it's not even a confidence thing, really. It's Mm -hmm. just like, I've just finally started to figure out what my own voice as a writer is. And I'm branching out from there.
2: Yeah, so now you're David Foster Wallace, but writing about Nina Kravitz's cornrows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much We're not much, talking about yeah. it. We're not talking about it. Move on. It's not a subject that's pretty a subject much it. That we You nailed speak it. On. just introduce the show base camp beta i think this is number 24 sounds good and it's just with the it's just with the core team here the core crew the good old boys and gals base uh, base core beta
3: ba-
1: base base, uh,
2: base mm, no. there's been so many of these at core, this point no. <laughs> core Core camp ba- uh, base camp classic i think was one we threw base Camp it. classic is yeah, good yeah, yeah yeah that's that's good
1: that's that's probably the best
2: classic yeah i'm into it what are we talking about today Corn roast? No, we're not talking about corn roast. Oh, you know what we are talking about? Let's just let's just kick it off with Peter. Nacho day? Oh, okay. We could start with Nacho day, but that was talking about the other Peter, Peter
1: Dow. Oh, you were talking about the Peter that you were talking about for days, yeah, yeah. exclusively, and okay, then you threw so me for a
2: loop. First off, uh, earlier today, my friend Peter, not who we are going to be talking about later. But a different Peter told me it was National Nachos Day, and we got nachos before the show. We did get nachos. And we feel day. great or what?
0: Except I didn't.
2: Wait, hold on, hold on.
3: I, I I, need to ask a question. Who comes up with these international X, Y, I have and Z no idea. <laughs> Because literally oh, no. every fucking Blue day days? it's a new, it's like, oh, it's National Toe Clipping Day. And it's like, what yes. the fuck? Where did that come from? It's all bullshit, and I never hear about any of them. It's but... National
2: Bite Your Toenails Day. <laughs>
3: And, 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 and this and this like yet. all started like maybe like five years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a phenomenon of Twitter.
3: They definitely ramped oh, up
1: in the yeah. last in the last decade for sure.
2: But uh, I don't Everything know. Bad P- comes Peter from just Twitter. said it was that, and it fucking worked on me because I was like, you know what? I could really go for nachos, and I couldn't get it out of my brain all day. Who
1: who doesn't want an excuse for nachos? I, yeah, I mean, chili cheese thing. fries that's today, so so nachos, what kind of nachos that that did, did you get? Were they
2: good chili cheese fries?
0: Well, it was Sean's chili that I brought to work, and I was like gonna eat my chili for in my, in my on my lunch break and i was like you know what i can't do this i need cheese fries so chili i ordered cheese, cheese fries, fries, fries. The best so i ordered cheese what? fries what? and what? then topped them with sean's chili and it was the best decision yeah. i've ever made Did you
2: put some jalapenos on it
0: i didn't have any but i would have yeah. for sure
2: what counts for nachos
3: in the great city of new york
2: it probably sucks, Chris. Don't yeah, <laughs> no,
3: get out with your west This is like the key cleavage in the mm-hmm. in in the base camp beta gang is this east versus west food situation. So I need to it know really, more. Yeah. But about. it really
1: isn't. I like. I think nachos we, vary in New York hugely. Like you can get like fucking ballpark nachos. You can I mean, get like yeah. bougie ass. Like
0: so many different things, Chris. Yeah.
1: Not nach- okay. nachos, okay. nachos are a state of mind. Then I guess you can what get I'm asking theater is theater
2: nachos with that with that sort of orange fluorescence? Yeah, sauce. Yeah, the, yeah, the ballpark nachos. Is yeah. there is, is there any connection sauce.
3: to Mexican food or is it more just like a
1: Seven Eleven? Whatever of it is,
2: it's very tenuous.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean nachos nachos are sort of nominally Mexican to, to begin with, right? Hey, Who s- suppose so? Nachos? I don't know. I, th- I don't know enough. I thought it was this. Mexican. Nachos, okay, so Chris, nachos don't come in here, you know, big or dis- or like swinging about no, nachos, nacho hours, uh, nachos, you know? I, I, nachos. I this is like a my my poor recollection of the story. Is that they, they were invented in a bar, I think, in Mexico in in the fifties. That's but 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 it was like a tourist town, and they they were served as like a like a last minute bar food for for white people into in the in, in like. Who were like, we want some food. I mean, I'm that sounds sure I right heard to me. Guy really? Fieri speak um, on. Guy this. Fieri, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yes, bra- bravo, <laughs> bravo on the pronunciation. Yes. Oh my
0: god, <laughs> it's a Gringo classic.
1: I'm a I'm a Fieri stan. <laughs> I love Guy. <laughs> we, we all is Guy do.
2: coming on the show.
1: We need. That's a guest that I want to fucking have.
2: I would. What do? does Guy
0: Fieri have to do with base campaign? <laughs> he dude? loves Everything everything my dudes <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love you guys you can you can you can grill him about his wine line oh that would be a treat i feel like we
3: need to start talking about music the way guy fieri talks about food
1: uh,
0: don't we definitely. already yeah i mean effectively i mean, we effectively,
1: do. I I mean suppose we you do. you 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 spoke of foster wallace as your spiritual uh you know kind of guide through the world of uh Writing of writing and mm-hmm. and for 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 me and I think I speak for all of us here. Guy Fieri is our
0: Guy Fieri reminds Yanni me. Yanni Snaky is out from... of sight. He kind of reminds me of my dad, so you know, the Guy. Yeah, a little bit. Really? He, yeah. I,
1: I mean, your dad does have a predilection for like flames on things.
0: Does he? I have kind of seen sick. that, but yeah, that's uh,
1: sick. it's spiritually he does. He likes spiritually he he, does. he likes big and loud, and if it's even louder, that's even better. So that's, it's like, big, a, that's louder, like a loud and rockin'. Every that, time that yeah.
0: he sees me, he's like, Why aren't you a rock star? Why aren't you Lady Gaga? He's like, You gotta stop doing the techno music. You should be doing rock and roll. I have my drum set in the basement. It sounds you like that? your dad
3: actually has like a deconstructed club aesthetic going on. <laughs> he is could. is Guy F- Okay, here's a question for the ages. Is Guy Fieri a deconstructed club?
2: Ooh. He does deconstruct food. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I think I like. I, I think I'm gonna go with yes. I think I, I think I'm gonna go, I with think yes. I'm gonna but go yes. But there's got to gotta
0: be another chef, celebrity chef guy that's closer to deconstructed club, like uh, Alton Brown.
1: Hmm. No, no, no. I think Guy Fieri is it. Or no, Bobby Flay. I, I, I actually
3: think that. Or
0: Mario Batali.
3: Guy Fieri is it because he captures that like ironic sensibility that deconstructed club is yeah. all about. Yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's wearing the like weird like Oakley knockoffs and or just Oakley like the right Cyber like Wave just the straight no- Oakley's. Oakleys. Yeah, the cyberwave Oakleys. Yes, yeah, it's, exactly. it's
1: It's 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 ironic, not ironic. And right. That's, that's, exactly. That's that's Guy Fieri's whole thing. Yeah. Well, I'm psyched for Guy's
2: record on Pan. So and my, the, my question is, it's all about
0: the
4: frosted,
2: frosted tips. Frosted tips, totally. Yeah, Dude, all the tips are very William Gibson. Yeah, I feel like I
3: just stumbled on like a major revelation here that fucking Guy Fieri is deconstructed club as fuck. So, so, nice. so here,
1: here's my follow-up question. This is question. amazing. You if, just if,
0: came if, up with that on the if, fly? If, if yeah, Guy
1: Fieri, on the fly. that's
0: incredible.
1: If Guy Fieri's deconstructed club, what is review bra? Oh,
3: oh d-
0: damn. Oh, review bra is like fuck. What is review bra?
3: Review bra is the report of the week. Who, by the way, was in some kind of accident? Uh, he's yeah, accident yeah, yeah. Was up for he rebo- was in an review bra. Went ill. Yeah, but he's but he's well he now.
1: I. He's, yeah, he, he's I good. He he's good. Fell and hit his head. He's oh recovering. Jesus, that's tragic. The picture of him in the uh, in the the, the the gurney is, is it's, heart. It's heart terrifying. Rushing. Yeah, yeah. He we looks. Need to he, meet we him. almost lost. I think, him. think
0: it's we more likely that we can get him on the
2: show rather than. I think Guy. it'd be easier to get Guy Fier. I, I <laughs> no
1: <that's way>. <laughs>
2: Dude, Review Bro like has like the like his videos have he's, millions. He's very busy. I know, but he would love us. Okay, I so feel wait. like he would love us. I feel us. like Guy Fieri, unfortunately, even though we think we are all like weird nerds and stuff, like not nah, Guy Fieri probably He's would, our people. Yeah, he's he's I probably more our I just people. don't Review, see Review Bra might be alt-right too. There's that rumor.
0: Review Bra's alt-right.
2: No, don't say that, Sean. That's yeah, just don't say that. bad. Right.
3: That's cursed. Don't oh, put no. that thought this out into it. the world. <laughs> he's young enough that we can get him, though. <coughs> but, but but wait, 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 hold on. That, that was a really good. That was an excellent question. Where does he
0: live? Connecticut.
3: That we need to go back to is he what kind of music is
1: Review? Bra? Is Review Bra? Because because Bra the... it
2: sounds like he's. He's always sounded like he's from Long Island for me. To me, especially in his old videos when he's like a real kid. Yeah, yeah. He sounds very Long Island.
0: Yeah, he does. Yeah. Maybe he lives in Long Island or Staten Island. No, I think
2: he,
3: he, moved moved he to lives to Florida. in Florida. He moved to Florida yeah, yeah, right. Because oh, he's shit. got like weird palm trees and shit. I
0: feel yeah,
2: like his, Ra- his, Ra- his videos are all in like some horrible, like, what do they call those those like gated communities in Florida? Oh man. Suburbs. It's got yeah, but like, you know, Flor like South style. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, I feel like okay, I feel like Review Bra okay, like Ra- is just like mashup
3: YouTube. No, no, channel. I don't think so because I think he's the purest, he's the most pure being in the world he's like he's dub
0: techno he's
2: detroit techno yeah <laughs>
1: no he's, de- he's he's definitely not detroit techno he's
0: dub techno
1: maybe i mean he maybe te- he could be he's like i guess that no he's no, german no,
0: dub techno
1: he's too he's too i mean he's too fast food to be dub techno is he shopping no i
3: don't think that's the issue i don't think the the fact that he eats fast food it's his purity that we need to focus on it's his like it's his elemental purity. And in that sense, I think a case could be made f- for Dub Techno. Because yeah, that's what right.
2: um, I think I think Review Bra is maybe... Um, he, he's he, minimal. He seems Richie no. Houghton to me. No. Like, oh, he's in totally What the fuck, Chris? What the fuck, Chris? He's, totally Richie. Fuck, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> he's Richie Houghton. <laughs> what the fuck, oh, my god, Like, plus eight era? Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, I mean, but still, Richie Haughton... Minus
1: like, Sarah. Minus but even no, if you look at era. Richie
2: Haughton videos now where he's like, I'm, like, you know, like, drinking salt. Like, he's still, like, a nerd. He's still, like... Yeah. Just a dork from dork. Ontario. Yeah. Suburban
1: nerd.
0: I Which think I we really it. relate to. I think to. we, yeah,
2: suburban, too. We nailed it.
0: <laughs> yep, Richie Haughton.
1: <laughs> Richie Houghton. Okay. Yeah,
0: I... Say, so, I was getting I, close I, with I, the I, techno, I, techno I, thing. Like, I was getting close. Well,
1: because I... I, 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 I I was almost leaning initially towards, like, him being, like, minimal. Like, yeah. like M-N- M-N-M-L. Minimal. Which Richie was? Which Yeah, which Richie M-N-M-L. was. Small. Defined. Yeah. Small. Small. Yeah, small. he's small. He's just small. <laughs> exactly. And he does look so small in that Gurney that picture. Oh, don't bring up that picture, man. It's <laughs>
2: fucking tragic. I'm, know, like, dying on the inside small. every time I think he about
1: it. He looks
0: small in his oversized suit anyway. It's, it's
1: true. You're yeah, right.
2: Okay, he he okay really, yeah, We yeah. really need to get him a tailor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Review bra makeover. Hey, okay, this what, is a, official. Make
0: him over in
1: official, official. Uh, you know, kind of offer here to Mr. Review Bra. Come on, Basecamp. We're going to give you a makeover. Just if this gets Just out, Just don't
0: there, leave it to Sean. Just do Whatever it's you do, gonna, it,
2: it's going to be a Burning Man makeover. Maybe <laughs> it may be a steampunk makeover.
3: I feel like if we could figure out how to broadcast Basecamp Beta on F R on uh, fuck. What's the what's the kind of radio that he likes? X M. No,
2: no <laughs>
3: God damn it! It's it's the one that like truckers use. Uh, CB? CB. CB, CB, Yeah. He yeah. likes we... that
2: radio. How do you well, know I, this?
3: I'm I'm pretty sure he's into
2: it. I'm pretty sure I. But is he talking like where, fucking where... trucker talk? Nine or well... niner? This is review bra talking about the Popeyes chicken sandwich. We got a <laughs> got a smoky yeah. on your tail. Uh... It's <laughs> it's no no,
3: but like I have I have heard him talk about some kind of radio. He's really into radio.
2: Well, he does his own podcast thing, but he right. also right. Right. But broadcasts he has a podcast? it. He has a podcast. What yeah, is his he, podcast. Maybe we should go on his podcast. That'd be sick. We need
0: to ask him to have us on there and say, "Look, we do this podcast. Can we talk to you about food and music and pop culture?"
3: We I think. I think we do too much cursing. Yeah, but he's he's he's
2: very straight laced, isn't he? Yeah. Has he ever done a Old curse? School? That's
0: the wide appeal. Hmm.
2: I saw him get close once when he was reviewing the uh, Popeyes uh, shrimp after Burger King bought Popeyes, um, and he was really brought nearly to tears.
0: That's the
2: twisted web amazing. we 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 fucking
1: weave, you know. Amazing, but he just mm. won't
0: curse because he's not going to have those millions of followers if he starts swearing on his reviews. So maybe we should think. Yeah, about but maybe
1: that. He, may, like maybe he's just building up for uh for the for the first time he drops an f bomb. There's a lot a we should moment. think about, Katie.
0: Maybe he's religious.
3: That's possible. Yeah. He does have that look.
2: The, you don't
1: really know the, what's he, going on. So so, so waspy, he's translucent it, Look, it,
2: He did look like, you know, he was in that hospital bed. It's like the shroud of Turin over him. <laughs>
1: <It's> God, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs>
2: Um, All right, so we got a good twenty minutes out of Guy Fieri and Review Bros. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I can so talk about think, something I think we're
1: real. Good. <laughs> yeah, I really I have,
0: could keep going.
3: Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I have, I have a real
3: conversation for when we're actually ready to have that.
2: Yeah, um, we, we should start maybe that we now. Are. Yeah.
3: All right, so I'm going to talk about. There's this Billboard article that was published a couple weeks ago called Catalog Conundrum, and it's about the challenge that major Record labels are having monetizing quote unquote catalog, which means um old old music, like that basically. Catalog.
0: Oh yeah.
3: Record label archival
0: catalog. archival stuff.
3: Um there's a couple really interesting statistics in this article. Let me I already
1: have the solution for them. They just need to pay small labels to reissue it.
3: Well, yes. I mean there is there is basically like a dark entries joke to be made in here. Yeah, but it's that's uh, yeah. Okay, so here's an excerpt from the article. In 2004, when album sales still drove the U.S. recorded music industry, remember those days, current music, which means all releases less than 18 months old, accounted for 64.2% of major label record sales. Catalog, which is music released more than 18 months ago, made up the remaining 35.8%. So that was in 2004. And then the, the, the article goes on to say that in the past decade and a half, those numbers have reversed. Current music accounts for 35.7% of album consumption units, which I think means sales, not necessarily streaming, while Catalog makes up the remaining 643 as of October 2019. Um, so that's kind of an interesting switch in statistics. And the article goes on to say, as the streaming-driven business monetizes music according to consumption rather than sales, the sheer volume of catalog music, which means, you know, old music, right, weighs more in comparison. And let's see, there's another statistic here that's really interesting. In 2018... 73% of all streams were generated by music released from 2010 to 2018, while a further 15% came from music released from 2000 to 2009, meaning that that 88% of all streaming music consumption came from music released this century. And I think that's kind of fucking insane. And I mean, that, that to me speaks to a trend in music consumption habits where it's like music, well, a music that, that does not exist outside of streaming platforms doesn't really exist. Right. And that really speaks to, I think the, um, the, the phenomenon that all musicians have faced where, when you release something by, a week or two after it's after its release date it's it's gone it's gone it's gone it's not
2: even that it's like a week after it's announced it's yeah, gone like right. it coming yeah. out doesn't have anything it yeah. doesn't matter so
3: and i mean this kind of phenomenon has affected you know the quote unquote underground quote unquote independent industry for a long time but now it's hitting the major labels as well and i think what we're seeing here is like a kind of like a total paradigm shift in the way that people listen to and consume music. And I think I at least cannot envision the cat going back in the bag, as it were. Like, I don't think. Oh, yeah, no, of course. I mean, this is just kind of the new normal where newness and novelty matters more than anything else. And I, I mean, think that's, it's that's, really interesting. That, I, I don't that think that's you,
1: even the new normal. That's just been the normal for so long now. That's just that's just sure, normal. sure, it's, you know. Sure, it's, it, uh, sure. And I mean, I think that
3: speaks to another uh, trend hitting the electronic and underground and experimental music worlds, which is where, if you're trying to release new music, issuing it on vinyl is a is a
1: is a fool's errand.
2: Well, but it all. I mean, it always was.
1: Well, no, v- vinyl, vinyl was like you know in the mid tens. Vinyl was a way to le- like legitimize your music, exactly, uh, and also like there was there was a, a very real vinyl bubble for for five. I mean, and how,
0: I think, how many? Honestly, outside of outside of like uh, coastal cities, like the vinyl wave is still like much a thing. That's probably in tr- sort of in true, the middle yeah. of the country and like in other places.
1: <clears throat> I mean, like we we did wade through like. Seven years of like every six months, uh, a like big vinyl's back, baby article. Like, it was seriously like clockwork, like, yeah, like, and and look, vinyl sales are up again. Uh, I think this was a way of masking over the kind of you know rot at the core of the industry that like you know, sales were actually down all around, and yeah, yeah, and and and
3: I think we're just we're just sort of further going down this hole where vinyl is becoming like a fetish object as opposed to any sort of real meaningful uh, music delivery. Oh,
0: completely. Yeah.
3: Mechanism. And I think this whole article, um, which again is just talking about major label music, is a total reflection of that, of that
2: phenomenon. What you know, what is even selling, you know, I mean, they've changed what the numbers mean for like a successful track to include like, YouTube and right. Instagram streams and shit <laughs> right. like that. I mean, does any uh, music is becoming even more and more ephemeral just in the way in which like yeah. we even encounter it?
0: Encounter it. Yeah. And I think this also has to do with like outside of just the like commercial aspect of it or whatever like that part of it, there's also just people's aesthetic aesthetic judgments. Their, right, their are are
3: of. are becoming more narrow and more snap and more like immediate and
2: and just
0: and just. Um, p- I music, think music music
1: taste. Hey, I heard your new general.
2: track on an Instagram story. It sounded cool. Like, right. That's it. You know, right. and then that's the end of their
3: engagement with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you? Why? Why would
1: anyone listen to music? It's a waste of time. It really is. I was just
5: checking out Nina Kravitz. <laughs> 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 <That's>
1: a, <laughs>
2: Chris over the course of the past 10 minutes uh, Three people have come in (laughs) To the podcast and we're now
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jonas I don't even like Techno Asher
1: Yeah, We're also joined by our uh, Producer who's often Here Rochelle and Surprise special guest from uh, Some other country Dave Wagenbach surprise Hey hey Aka Dave Bubble Sound, synth manufacturer uh, not a extraordinaire. This is
2: not a I was looking today at—I don't know why—I was looking today at the uh, all of the ambassadors of the U.S. to various countries, and uh, boy, what a lineup! Well, was this Steve like King, a, Steve King was on
5: like the a Wikipedia the hole public.
2: that you were in, or what? Yeah, you know how these things happen. They just—I oh, know how these things happen. Yeah, yeah. And it was just on the page for ambassadors of the United States and um, marijuana, Chris. I was not. I was not doing anything illegal. Okay. At the time, marijuana is basically legal. I mean, I can buy it at the store. So I'm, you know, it's y-
1: actually legal for Chris. You know, if we want
2: Review Broad to come on the show, we can't be sitting here talking about fucking smoking weed. And You're right. and I just cursed, you know. So You're right. like, we really got to right. clean up our act if Review Broad is going to come on. <laughs> that was-
4: watching an interesting talk from Zizek from 2004, which is a, a great year for him. Now, it's 15 that is a fucking good year. years ago. That's a good and Zizek was year. And he still- and he looked fine. Still the same talk and uh, all the shit that he does now with the whole nose thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> However, back on point. Zizek was going off about our decaf culture in America, how everything... Like eroticism, etc. Everything is decaf. You can have uh, as much as if it
2: with American culture. Is, so is you want the chocolate, but don't want to get fat.
4: Exactly, yeah. and th- he did. <laughs> give know, the ch- yeah. He gave the chocolate thing, but he was like, the chocolate is the um, the chocolate is the laxative in America. He's like, it's great because uh, chocolate usually makes you constipated, but then you can buy this chocolate that is the opposite effect. And he said, and that's the decaf of American culture. And he said to marijuana marijuana is the decaf form of heroin that's what he said and that's
3: what I was getting. Yeah. wow that's some vintage uh <laughs> <Zizek. 2004>. vintage <laughs> Zizek.
4: wow
0: so I is mean, he
3: actually espousing like a like a reactionary gateway drug theory right there or
4: <laughs> it's reactionary i don't know if he's espousing it he is projecting it uh i don't know if he's saying don't smoke marijuana and do heroin instead but it kind of felt that way
3: yeah well, I would smoke weed with him. Okay, so today
2: our open invitations are now right. at uh, one. Review bra, please come in. We're not going to drink. We're not
1: going to swear. We're not going to. Do it. For you. And we we're going all... to give you a makeover. And we'll
2: give you a makeover. And two, uh, Zizek, come on. Uh, it's opium time. Uh <laughs> I mean,
3: these are going to be two separate episodes, so it's fine. No,
1: no, no, the same episode. No, the same double header. I think it should really be the (laughs) same episode.
2: God, we would be a terrible
0: review. Bra is not doing any drugs. No, we're not going to give him the drugs.
2: No, you know he probably he probably yeah exactly he probably he probably he's getting a lot of shit from those Popeye sandwiches. Let me say. I had the Popeyes. Do you chicken realize oh, did you? the effects yeah. of? We were all talking of about it. review, Brian. You didn't bring up the fact that. You well, had I pump. didn't. We. They, we okay. Well, we're bringing we it up fast. Fast. now. We're bringing it up now. Popeyes
1: chicken sandwich is good.
2: Okay. Good.
3: It's good. That's the Sean review. It's good. Yeah.
1: It's good. I agree with Review Bra's review. It's good. Yeah. It's real good.
0: What Should... about Bojangles? It's is, no Popeyes, isn't, but isn't it better than Popeyes, though?
2: Oh, I don't know. I like Popeyes better,
3: but I'm no expert. I, I, don't I had know Bojangles anything about... when I was in Virginia. One of the two times I've been
2: in Virginia. I
0: and what's your review, it's Review, It's good. Brah,
1: brah. It's good. Should we bring up the main topic for today? Talk about some tracks, or, do, or was or was an actual main topic?
2: Well, kind of. We wanted to talk a little bit about our friend Peter. Oh, can we talk Whoa. Peter? We,
1: we got we got yeah derailed. We, have, we haven't
2: yeah we haven't talked about Peter and like there was a lost episode of Base Camp Beto where we did a deep dive into the life <laughs> and times of, of one Peter Dow, um, but boy is he back and uh
1: i mean all i can say is that i spent several hours today after you told me that peter said it was national nacho day i spent (laughs) like five hours today thinking peter dow (laughs) tweeted about how it's national nacho day it was
2: not peter dow it was it was i was was so different. i I mean i love peter pearson as a
1: dear friend i absolutely love him Great that he told you it was National Nacho Day because we got to eat some nachos. But I was a little disappointed to <laughs> realize that it wasn't Peter Dow. But talking you haven't about been that nachos. disappointed because
2: every day has been a new fucking corner <laughs> for Peter Dow.
0: Wait, who is Peter Dow? Can we Peter Dow? That? Yeah,
2: we should we should <coughs> introduce for anyone who doesn't know Peter. I Peter you. Peter Dow um, was a instrumental. I mean, he's still a musician um, who wa- played keys and flute on a lot of new groove records. Um, he was like a, yeah. an assistant producer on a lot of new groove records, an engineer, and he was just like a keys guy. So any new groove record that you know with some keys on it or Noodly like a solos. flute, noodley flute thing, that's Peter Dow. Oh, yeah. He went on I to go um, in the early 90s. Uh, you know, he was playing on bigger and bigger records. I thought he was on a bunch
3: of like... Stri- like uh s- Strictly Rhythm, too? Strictly
2: Rhythm stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, that's when he was getting bigger and bigger. And then he had a group, like a kind of super group uh, with... It was his then wife. It was his then wife, yeah, called The Dow. Great name. Yeah, and they made just kind of like... Commercial House. Oh, yeah, Commercial House
1: record, yeah. It was on Columbia.
2: Okay, yeah. Flash forward. 20 years. 20 years. And uh, let's just go, let's just jump to 2016. Peter Dow was one of Hillary Clinton's major advisors well, he,
1: I mean before that he was Wait, a political what? blogger what? For a he long
2: was a political time. blogger for a long time but then in she <laughs> lost in <laughs> in 2016 he w- he was one of Hillary's uh, just big like he was like
3: a like a campaign advisor right He'd like, he was on the campaign he was yeah.
2: basically like he was going to be in like he had the job that meant that he was going to have like a leading pos- leading job at the White House how did you for find the this out? Clinton I'm just, presidency. I'm, He's a big character.
0: I know, but like, how did you.
2: So. This is this is common knowledge on
3: like the Twitter world.
2: This is uh, common. Yeah, I, unfortunately, this is common knowledge on yeah, Twitter.
1: In, yeah, in, in lefty techno Twitter. Yeah. Where you is, spend a lot of time making fun of. You know, well we used to make, campaigns. We, we
2: used to make fun of Peter Dow. So we used to make fun of Peter Dow because basically in 2016, he would do shit like I mean, very famously when Hillary Clinton like collapsed on like outside that 9-11 memorial. People were just like, wait, what's going on? It's like not that hot out today. And Dow was like, it was a sweltering 80 degrees in New York City. <laughs> like it like, ask anyone, it was unlivable. And everyone was like, You know that we're all in New York. Like we we feel the same weather. Um, And when Hillary lost, he kind of went a little postal, screaming about Bernie bros, how they lost the election, just said like, you know, he was like basically Hillary Clinton defender number one and would just like go to death for Hillary Clinton and would just like spend all his time fighting like rose emoji people on Twitter, blocking people, all this. Fast forward to like earlier this year and Dow is starting to say, huh. It's really weird that Democrats are like that the DNC is kind of being hostile to Bernie cuz like he seems to have like a lot of really good ideas and have a lot of he's energy. He's a great candidate. And he's a really great candidate and the Democrats seem to like what's this? Like they yeah, seems there was there
1: was an article he wrote like 6 months ago or whatever yeah, where it was like like total about face like I know I criticized Bernie in the past but really Democrats should be nicer to him cuz he's a good candidate. And now well, it's duh. at the point where he's total Thanks like for I mean it he, up. He, full on He
2: tweeted the other day like uh it, my favorite it was like you know when i used to see a roge, m- rose emoji it mean it meant i was going to be in a vicious battle now i see it as a sign of solidarity and friendship and <laughs> okay. he like also tweeted like uh you know he and his wife's like you know his wife's like donations to bernie he's like full-on and also you know like full-on like hey the demo- dnc's kind of sucks well, yeah i guess yeah. there's
0: hope in that case
2: I just wanted to introduce Peter Dow to any of our listeners who don't know him, because I mean, from New Groove to, you know, nearly the presidency, losing it and going kind of crazy, and then coming around to see the light on politics and and see the light on our- From New Groove
1: to Old Groove to Fresh Groove. Yeah, that (laughs) works too.
2: (laughs) Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
3: Maybe he's going to start making some sick tracks soon I think he again. is
2: He posted a video
3: the other day of him in the studio <laughs> oh, oh really?
2: Yeah He, was like, he was like I'm always, I'm always playing around And dude like we can get Because he was like instrumental to that Bobby Condor's 12 inch You know one of I think the best sort of deep house records ever made That
0: one?
1: The, well, there's yeah, yeah, uh,
0: D
2: Yes,
1: yes, that's dee nervous, dee nervous acid on it, yeah. but yeah, the poem and the
2: poem. Maasai Woman, yeah. uh, ver, you know, the version of the poem. Yeah, I mean, incredible record. Dow's keys are all over that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Can we get him in the studio? Can we get him on the show?
1: Uh, th- third third time in this episode, we're calling out, Peter Dow. we want you on Basecamp if you hear this. Okay, and the, and the thing for Peter is, We're, dude, send it to all we're at a synth shop.
2: Like, we got an Ensonic ESQ-1 over there right now. And you can be playing all the keys you want.
3: It's like moths to a flame, man.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we need a,
3: you like, want to
1: attract aging
5: house producers. We need a
0: B two B with Fieri, <laughs> is he, is a, yeah. Review yeah. Bra, yeah. and Peter Dow. <laughs> you,
5: you, really, you really need more of an M one to get his attention. Yeah, no, I, yeah, the, the 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 ESQ one. If you want Kevin Keyes to show up, maybe that's the thing. But um, <laughs> you know, I think you need an M one. That house, that house piano. I know. One.
2: Actually, Peter. Had, uh, fuck <clears throat> the Peters. Peter Pearson has an M1, I think, right now. There you go. So we have one next door. Peter Dow, if you're listening, we have an M1 next door. We
0: welcome you on our podcast. Play the Official offer. Do the podcast.
2: Yeah. Dude, if we, I, I, I mean, I said this when we started the podcast that my only dream is to get Peter down the podcast. <laughs> well, I think we it might
0: make, happen this time.
2: I think it's if a, we, I think if it happens, it's been almost a year. <laughs> you got to add him. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, I talk? think
3: we could do it. I think we can do it. I think we can make it happen. Yeah, I think we can make it. it happen too.
2: We we'll just make sure, like,
0: what other podcast is he going to go on that makes more sense?
2: There's no, there's no better. There's podcast. no better podcast. <laughs> See <laughs> joe, joe rogan, rogan. <laughs> and joe rogan joe rogan i can i can say with 95 percent confidence that joe rogan owns zero new group records
0: yeah what the fuck does he even listen to
2: butt rock what does joe rogan listen to Jonas? fish tool Jonas, tool know. it's obviously tool tool, tool. You listen to tool. Yeah. tool. Yeah. yeah oh what a tool we already we, i think we already talked about this it's it Only
0: tools <laughs> listen to tool Tool like, is lived, a really yeah, shitty yeah, okay. rock Joe Rogan and roll
2: probably version. still Very listens cool, to man. Three Doors Down.
3: <laughs> Maynard James Keenan is like a like a like a borderline alt-right like sort of druggy, sleazy.
5: Men's Ew. I can totally Dude. believe everything. Men's rights, yeah. 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 Mm. Men, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Big fan of Iron John, I'm sure.
0: Get the fuck over. It. Wait, so is this the lead guy of Tool? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. You call your band Tool. You just <laughs> telling it like
5: it is, yeah, yeah. you know? You've already, you've already lost. Yeah, You've already lost.
1: <laughs> Truth in advertising. Yeah, yeah. Fucking for real. Uh, do we want to talk about some tracks?
2: Do we want to talk about music we like?
3: Yeah, or I think just... this is a great segue to talk about <laughs> Yannis fucking Zanakis.
0: I have actually, okay, I don't know if I've ever actually listened to any
2: Zanakis. This is very <laughs> sad.
3: I don't think anyone except Chris has.
5: I've oh. seen Zanakis.
2: No, that, that, there's no way. I,
5: think... I used to own his 2600, and if it weren't for Zanakis' 2600, the ULFO wouldn't have been made. Wow. That's right. So there's that. Damn.
0: Here. That's pretty great. Yeah. But can I just as a segue into or uh, just summarize how that was made into that module? Uh,
5: Phil Scirocco, the Sir uber- tech, super modified 2600. And he changed the two LFO. He, he, he changed the LFOs to work at 15 and 30 minute cycles. And you could have them cross-modulating each other to get these two and three hour long LFO cycles going with it. Oh, wow. And so that really informed my idea of what an LFO should be like. So when right, I so made- so it's an
0: elongated sort of thing.
5: It's super long. Yeah. And so when I started playing around with an LFO, I wanted to shoot for like 15 to 30 minutes. And I ended up with two hours and said, this is a pretty, this is, this is a good place to be. And, um, and you, you give it negative voltage and it'll go for a week. Wow. It'll go for a week. It'll go for a week. So that's, that's, that's kind of how he's in a very not related way at all. Responsible for
0: me. That's cool.
5: And, um, I bet he's not sitting around talking about bubble sound too much, though. He's, he's not dead. Mapping. See? <laughs> That's probably he's us. rolling over in his w- grave. Rolling
2: around in his grave
5: right now.
1: <laughs> I think he had a two-hour cycle. <laughs> yeah, he had a two-hour cycle.
5: One, one <laughs> would hold. Very good. Very good. Very good. <laughs>
2: I wanted to talk about Persepolis because I wanted to talk about Iranian politics in the early 70s, because um, the piece was commissioned by the Shah, who at the at the time uh, was the Shah of Iran. After an election in 1953 had brought a populist to the government to nationalize the oil, that um, Prime Minister Mossadegh was overthrown by. The CIA in a coup that reinstalled the Shah. I mean, he was already the Shah, but he had, his power had been diminished. And now this reinstalled him as the sort of leader. And he was um, just a rich kid who like, grew up always was going to be the Shah of Iran. And uh, just kind of started. He had been Shah for about 10 years until the coup. And once the coup happens, he he starts to like go down a, um, a quite authoritarian um
1: Path. What an um, unusual. Uh, I know,
2: right? You wouldn't think. Turn so. of events. You wouldn't think so that oil nationalization would bring in the
5: CIA. But <laughs> well, given, turns <laughs> out even uh, the authoritarianism that came after him, his version of authoritarianism was fairly benign, though.
2: It was a, it was really bad. Um, he uh, in the sixties um, he was not terrible. Um, he kind of wanted to try and uh, bring Iran together and sort of, and he. Uh, did this through um, a couple of uh, what he called the white revolution. This included things like liberalization of schools, land reform, opening up a lot of Iran's um, services and like government uh, positions to women, um, things that were very good. But this was in the late 60s, and the reaction to it wasn't great because while all of the good was kind of marred with the bad, which was that all of these changes were for, uh, were for the elite. of of Iran Um, and so uh, years later he like creates a secret police and really starts like cracking down um, and inequality in Iran skyrockets at the same time that oil exports really also skyrocket at the same time Um, so at this point Iran in the early 70s is actually one of the most uh, wealthy countries on the planet Um, and all of that wealth is concentrated uh, in a very very small few at the top and the Shah in particular. And interestingly, it is at this point where um, the Shah uh, decides to throw a party. Um, and he decides to throw a party to commemorate the 2,500th anniversary of Iran. What year was this? This was in 1971, I, if I remember correctly. He says that Iran was founded 2,500 years ago. The math is a bit hazy, but... Um, by, uh, Dar- On this day. <laughs> by, yeah, by... Uh, And he decides to have this big party and invites all world leaders. Um, He invites Nixon, but Nixon sent Spiro Agnew instead. Um, Royalty from Mm -hmm. all over the world comes for this big party in Persepolis, which is in the middle of Iran, an old capital that is now just ruins. And he decides to throw a party with lavish tents and um, lavish meals, really fancy champagne and wine and um it's really like i think it's to this day like the most expensive party that's ever been done but as part of this he also wanted to highlight some art so he commissioned yanni zanakis to do a uh piece and the result was this piece called persepolis um which uh zanaki sets up um as a like i mean i don't even know how many channels but some i mean it's it's to be it's like a site specific performance in the middle of these ruins in the like desert in Iran. Um, and he like does this thing where you have like people walking on the like hills around where the audience is sitting with mirrors and, and like torches and shit (laughs) and like all this shit is going on. Um, but it also happens to be like one of my favorite pieces of music, which is really kind of the weirdest thing is because it's, basically an hour of like really insane noise and just sounds um there's it's completely lax in like you know anything that you know anyone would have been familiar with at the time let alone my image whenever i listen to it it always flashes into my mind the spiro idea agnew. of spiro agnew fucking sitting there <laughs> and like in- enduring <clears throat> this hour-long Zenaki speech, which is you know, still to my to my ears, one of the most I don't know. Well, one, it's just one of my favorite pieces of
5: music. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Spiro Agnew was was pocketing silverware and grabbing bottles of wine while that.
2: You know out. what? Good, good on him. I would be too. You know,
0: that's totally a me move. Mm.
3: So wait a second. You're saying that the Shah of Iran commissioned a Zanakis piece for a party? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: That's totally insane. That, decadent. I mean, that's
3: that's wild, man. That's some wild shit right there. It's it's all true. Imagine being like, "Let's throw a sick party," and guess what the soundtrack is? Fucking music concrete.
2: Yeah, and now imagine that the person throwing the party is like Mohammed bin Salman, <laughs> and
3: you the know?
0: soundtrack like, is Varg.
1: Yeah, and the soundtrack <laughs> that, that's that's a little too believable. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry, a little I
0: had to go there. Mohammed
2: bin Salman is probably into Varg. Like <laughs> he's oh, he's definitely in the Skrillex, yeah.
3: I have an
4: anecdote, but CZ, continue.
3: No, I was just going to say that's fucking weird. That's all I was going to say. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I have a personal history anecdote when it comes to the Shah of Iran and the Shah of Iran's son. Like, this is unwritten history, but this is shit right here. Um, so flash forward five years from 1971 to 1976, when this text called uh, The Crash of 79 was written by Paul Erdmann. In 1976, this this fiction was written, and it was about like Middle Eastern conspiracy and the Shah of Iran was going to take over the world, and it it was actually banned in Iran, the book. Um, So, this is from my mother, Janet, shout out. Um, Shout out to Janet. Janet. On the beach of Khan, 1976, Shah (laughs) of Iran's son was there, and she had the book. Which was had recently been banned in in Iran, um, the crash of '79, and um, he was like, "Give me the book." The Shah of Iran's son at that time was like basically a teenager, perfect year for Janet to be like, "Why well, you're hot?" <laughs> 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 she was probably like 23, and he was probably Janet like is Rochelle's mom, and she's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and the the son of the Shah, Reza Pahlavi, was hot, as far as I can tell.
4: Mom says so. Yeah. And uh, she, he her. was begging her for this book. And so she finally relinquished and gave him the book. And he got to smuggle it back to Iran. And then in between all this time, um, when she relinquished the text to him, two things happened. One, she was staying in a hotel on the beach of Khan. Uh, and it was a multi-rise or whatever. And she tells me that he was flying his a jet, a fighter jet, back and forth in front of the hotel, like to get her attention. <laughs> so come on, guys. Step I bet it yes. up.
3: Yeah. Fucking step it up. Yeah, power game. Step your game up, man. Two,
4: my mother loves to claim that she invented a game called, we can edit this out if it's offensive, Slave Gammon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. But when, when the Shah of Iran's son is involved, it's like, it's not offensive, right? Because the, because the whole tables Let's are hear turned. This out. Let's hear this out. The whole tables are turned. The tables are turned when it comes to the proletariat versus the like extreme wealthy bourgeoisie. Okay, hear me out. She was so good at backgammon that she could even beat the Shah of Iran's son in such a game. And in doing so, she says that she said, the stakes were you have to run down the Champs-Elysees. Champs-Elysees? Yeah. yeah. The Champs-Elysees, butt naked, if I win this batgammon game, which she did. And he's like, I can't do that. I can't. Like, his father would kill him. It's not, he can't do it. So he ended up giving her, like, 15 grand instead. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's wow. Your
0: mom's well. got uh, amazing stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. She's more capitalist than I am and in, yeah. the right yeah, <laughs> in the right way. Yeah, in the
1: right way. Yeah. Wow. I don't know how we top any of that.
2: <laughs> this is why you tune into this show for cutting-edge uh, Iranian politics from the 70s yeah, and personal like, anecdotes Iranians about...
4: are like, what the hell? <laughs> but it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's real history right there.
2: Let's talk about Muslim Talk the perfect talk about Muslim music gauze. to
3: segue away from the Shah of Iran and Zanakis.
1: surprised we haven't talked about muslim yeah I, I am too podcast. it's pretty crazy yeah we've done a bunch of episodes you would
2: have thought he'd come up by now um
3: just a quick sort of quick background muslim Gaz was a was a was a british man named Bryn jones who was notoriously reclusive slash if he were alive today he would probably be described as neuro atypical Um, he died of a blood disease when he was relatively young. I don't know how old he was. I don't even know if he made it to 40. I'm not sure. Anyway, his, um, his thing, uh, which you might guess from the name of his project, he was obsessed with the Middle East and Islam and Middle Eastern politics and culture To a degree that certainly some people believe is problematic and other people believe is sort of genuine love of the culture but um he what makes him interesting as a musician is that over the course of his of his recording career which again i'm not sure how long that was i'm gonna guess it was about two decades given i think his first his first records came out in in the late in like the mid 80s and then i think he died around the turn of the millennium yeah, or so. Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh anyway, he was notorious for releasing an unbelievably large amount. It 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 seems like he basically released every single thing he ever did in 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 the <clears> studio. <throat> His discography r- runs to I believe over 100 albums. Uh it's just kind of dizzying. How much music he's uh, actually actually released, and I want to talk about my probably my favorite or one of my favorite. I have a complicated relationship with his music because there's just so much of it that just on a purely like statistical level, uh, a lot of it is not great. In
2: but then there's also like it's hard to say like this is like one of my favorites because you're like well i've only heard like exactly right like, 20 I, I, so. I have not even heard even half of his discography
3: so so who knows maybe there's more gems in there but the one that i want to talk about is called mullah Said, which yep. was a record he did in 1998 which is when he was working with the dutch label stallplat and they did like a actually which is kind of interesting when you think about it in the mid 90s they released or they 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 offered like a subscription service where you could pay a annual subscription fee to Stallplat and you would get installments of the Muslim Gods albums as like like as soon as they came out which now in, in the context of the present day music industry seems weirdly forward thinking because that's how much how how things seem to be going towards sort of subscription and um, yeah patron based models and uh, what makes his music really interesting is that uh, even though all of it is themed around Islam and Middle Eastern culture, there's a huge range of sounds that he's worked with. Um, some of his music really noisy. Some of it's really like harsh and very dissonant some of it's very dancey, very upbeat, almost uh, like approaching drum and bass and like weird kind of down tempo sounds. And my favorite Muslim Gaz records tend to be where he goes in like a very ambient kind of um, almost spiritual, very like introspective mood. And that's what mullah Said is all about there's only five i think there's five tracks on the album six tracks and actually two of the tracks bear the same title so he's
2: he does that a lot he, he will yes, like he, remix himself and just exactly. kind of like do retakes is kind of what it sounds like you know exactly he would kind of like re-edit
3: or revise or just kind of like almost do like do-overs of sometimes even the same track on the same record and
0: I should pick up that technique. That I sounds, think it's sick because really I, cool. I I should. love
2: artists like that, especially like someone who also does that a lot in a very different context is someone like Vladislav Dele. Um mm. And I've always loved that because I feel like as artists, we're always feeling like we need to do different, like every single thing we need to do needs to be like completely different, um, mm-hmm. can never retreat anything. But I love listening to artists like Muslim Gauze, who's like, whole discography is like kind of, through a kaleidoscope, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, and
3: like, like, all, like almost every single one of his albums is, is exploring the same theme, like the same concepts, the same, like, like the same atmospheres. And um, Mullah Said is just—it's absolutely, I think, one of his most beautiful releases. It's just—it's r- r- really kind of like uh, simplistic. There's, there's like um, some very pulsing electronic drums which are are up tempo, the whole album runs about 140 beats per minute, but it's not really dance music. And on top of those drums are um, sort of looping samples of Middle Eastern string instruments. I'm not going to claim to know which exact one he is, he is sampling. And then there's just this really beautiful, like intermittent hand percussion drumming that kind of comes in and out Mixed in with these snippets of conversations or speeches from different Middle Eastern cultures, and it's just—it's just one of his records that works so well and is so beautiful and is so hypnotic and just like I need every to time listen to this.
0: You're, I'm, I feel like I'm really missing out because I've just sort of I feel like I dropped off the map with the Muslim Gaz. It's
3: from easy the Muslim Gaz yeah. catalog, you mean?
0: Yeah, just like uh, I dipped my toes in it at one point.
3: Yeah.
1: Just, yeah and I mean it's I just think like that's a pretty the, it, common com- experience with 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 Muslim Got girls. overwhelmed. You're, yeah, you're like Yeah,
3: absolutely. So so sense. I'm I am i I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that if you're interested in his music or what what his music might be, this is a fantastic place to start mm. because it's just such a such a beautiful hypnotic record. Um it's not harsh or
2: There's a couple other records he did from a couple years earlier that I think bring up threads that he kind of then nails on Mullah Saeed. There are a couple records from like the earlier 90s. Um, Vote Hezbollah, um, Gun Aramaic, Uh, Betrayal is another one. Sisters, they're, they're all like from kind of the same era and it's a lot of music, okay. but he like- By those, the same era, you mean, you mean the same
1: four days? Yeah, recorded. basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're
2: probably all recorded and you know, <laughs> over the course of like two weeks. But he, um in those records, like he brings up these sorts of things of like this like very like prototypical like sort of uh Muslim gauze sound, which is like field recordings. Like you're saying, this kind of like down tempo, but not. Yeah, sound, um, exactly. some percussions and some like looped kind of like weird strings. And like in Mullah Said, which I think came out some years after those records that I mentioned came out, but who knows when any of those were recorded. Yeah. Um, Mullah Said like feels like he kind of like nails and then just like goes yeah. with this one sound. Right. And in some of the like, those are just some other records that like have really because I've listened to a lot of Muslim Gods too and I feel the same exact way but I, I remember like running into those I felt very like ooh like these are all like really I think there's something there they're they're totally. like hitting like and well, like I listen that, to that, them all that, the time that really that is
3: a weird experience in that you get only from listening to Muslim Gods when you have an artist with
1: such a huge
3: body of work
1: hey how about check like, check this check this sorry what's to interrupt. That? <laughs> i just had a, uh, had a, I had to check this revelation you think Muslim Goss is, 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 uh, is the fast binder of uh, industrial music? Oh. <laughs> it's fine. Right,
3: right. And I mean, but the interesting aspect is when you take it as a whole, it like, it kind of, it's this whole body of work that obviously some kind of people
1: really, really dive into. But then... So you're saying Muslim Goss is the Grateful Dead of industrial.
0: Oh, it totally is.
1: <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go
3: it's just an interesting sort of contrasting feeling when you when, when you stumble upon a work by an artist like this, who is so prolific when you, when you finally land on something where you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is fucking amazing.
2: One thing I really like is, yeah, like I've always found his like really early stuff to be just a very middling version of like a lot of other stuff that was going on at the time that was sort of way more interesting. Um, but I think that's the cool thing is that he made so much like pretty much I mean as far as I can tell all of his work public though who the fuck knows. Um but it's yeah. just
1: sounding like a rationalization for liking him that does mirror what a lot of deadheads I know say. Maybe. Where that where, where the appeal is almost based Well, the appeal I... on the it's based on the the intricacy of the of the kind of artist's lexicon.
2: No, I think, I mean, that, well, I, for me, the appeal of Muslim gods is that I think his good records are really good. Genuinely good.
5: Yeah, yeah I, I I really enjoy listening. Well, it kind of sounds like, to me, what you're talking about reminds me a lot of Jandik. Do you know Jandik? Yeah yeah, 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 We've I, talked yeah, about it before. 100%. Yeah, representing Houston. I was gonna talk about
1: Curly, Axe Breaker. Curly's great. <laughs> Dutch, Dutch Squatter Acid. Uh, like, the Unimobius and kind of Spiral Tribe, like, kind of okay. affiliate. yeah. Uh, I played a couple, several of his tracks on at the, the the Gabber Party I played on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Curly's Axe Breaker. Incredible. Incredible, super psychedelic, 13 minutes long. <clears throat> it has all these just, like, bizarre, flangy weird drug sounds, and it just keeps going and going and going and going. Curly's really interesting because he... Um, was, there's like a, within like the kind of spiral tribe free tech, you know, uh, Technoval sound, there's uh, a strain of that that incorporates a lot of kind of, kind of like jungly kind of elements. It's not exactly like jungle or broken yeah. beat, but it, it it takes these kind of like weirdly syncopated kind of almost break beaty sounds. <coughs> and Curly was really a master of that. And yeah, Axe Breaker, it's a jam.
2: Is this primarily because they were also working on NPCs?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, like, I mean, they were definitely using samplers. I'm not sure. I actually really don't know what gear they were using mm. at the time. Um, there are definitely a lot of analog scents going on. Right. Um, you know, I assume. I keep thinking
2: back to that freak tech or. Yeah, that free tech (laughs) video that you sent me years ago and I can't find it of some dude in like a sailor's cap playing this free tech festival and all he's doing is just fucking around with an MS-20. and It's maybe the most pure... Musical <laughs> experience I've ever that, witnessed. That,
1: that clip was so good, and I like, can't even remember who it was. Yeah. I have no
2: idea. It's I like, need like you to a, remember, though, because.
1: A guy with dreadlocks smoking a cigarette, and there's like a, an Electribe and, a, and an S20. That's it. And he's just, and it's like, and everyone's
2: <laughs> fucking loving it. I'm loving it, you know? Yeah, I wish I was there.
1: That, that, that's a good one. That's I, a good I, one. Uh, yeah, I can't remember even who that was. Um, the technical scene is super weird and great. And yeah.
2: I mean, I like. The fact that it exists gives me hope.
1: Um, Curly also died, I think, at twenty-five or six, oh. or maybe maybe twenty-seven. He, he he died in ninety-nine. Amazing, amazing small body of work. Some food has landed. What do you? Oh, oh it's nice. <laughs> landed. So we had
2: nachos. What are you having? I'm having a burrito where we're, everyone's on the same page tonight. It's a Mexican fiesta. You what, should, what, you except that
0: he's in San Francisco eating a burrito, we're in Brooklyn eating nachos.
2: And that's just depressing. Well, you know, New York food I know everyone not everyone, you know, can have the greatness of New York Mexican
1: food. Yeah, that's like him being like, I got a bagel in locks. Yeah. CZ, I just can't wait. I just can't wait until
0: CZ comes to New York. I really think it needs to happen. Yeah. Like, w- stat.
1: We, yeah, we gotta we gotta do the base camp night, and
0: also like we need to come out there. I know that.
2: I like that big beach you guys have, but Ocean Beach, yeah, it's pretty Ocean cool. Beach. Yeah, Ocean nice. Beach smells good, sounds great.
0: CZ, can you take great. me it's there? A really
2: cool.
3: Just like yeah, it just it's it um has a very good oceanic
2: beach sound. Yeah, yeah, it's so like it's so we need to do Pacific. some field
0: recordings yeah. of that shit. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Man, I mean, this comes up every time the city comes up, but it just pisses me off to no end that a city as beautiful and like rich historically as San Francisco sucks so much. It sure does. I mean, that's kind
5: sure of that's
3: it's the it's the architect of its own death. You know, it's like yeah. everyone wants to live here because it is and they fucking they loved beautiful. It, loved it to death.
2: But do tech people yeah. really want to live there, or do they just live there
3: because the tech jobs are there? Well, that was. That was kind of, that's like, that's like a, like a chicken egg situation.
0: Which came first. Yep. Well, they certainly
3: uh, don't have the appreciation
0: the culture. That, or the that, bros.
3: That, this, people there. wanting to live in the Bay Area came first because that's why like all the, the, like the whole earth people started here. You know, it's just like. Right. It's a, it's a very kind of frontier sort of a place. And that led to the tech industry. And then, then the tech industry became the biggest creator of wealth this world has ever known. Right. And so on and so forth. And now you have San Francisco
2: 2019. Well, it could be Los Angeles 2019 Blade Runner. That's
3: true. I had a real fucking Blade Runner moment the other day when I was walking down the street. I was walking down Valencia Street and a techie on a motorized (laughs) single-wheeled device blew past me at like probably close to 25 miles per hour. And the single wheeled thing said please decelerate as he was like <laughs> whizzing past me
0: that is and it was
3: just like the most cr- like just that that is crushingly. the dystopia of the bay area captured in a single fucking oh, moment. you you
0: posted this on facebook right because i did I because it was, posted it was a laughing incredible. response to that and that was so funny yeah dude i was just like what the fuck that if that was my reality I would literally <laughs> check people left and right
2: The first time I saw one of those I was I was flying from San Francisco to LA and I was just I got to the airport too early cuz I I am a dad at heart and
0: uh <laughs> it's true <laughs> it's true y'all
2: And I was sitting at the gate and I just I was just I just was on power save mode you know where i'm like i'm not doing anything i'm just kind of looking around and not really thinking i'm just sitting like nothing's going on just i observe this person who like like are they walking no 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 they're like moving very fast but they're not walking zooming down we have you know zoom shoes. Zooming, yeah zooming through the terminal or whatever and pulls up to the gate and I realized he's on this like weird wheel thing. And at this point, like hoverboards were just kind of starting to be a thing. And I was like, what is this? But it looked different. And he just like pulled up to the thing and he looked like, you know, the typical like 25 with like a Uniqlo vest Mm -hmm. in a down vest on and like, you know, whatever that, you know, you know the outfit. Oh yeah. And he like pulled up to like, you know, the gate, said something to the woman working at the counter and clearly rubbed her the wrong way, and then he just like turned around and like zoomed off, <laughs> oh my God. and I just sat there like, Shut. what's going on? Like, I'm, I'm sure. is this San Francisco? That's Fuck!
5: Awful. It's 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 like seeing the future, just uh, all in one horrible glimpse. Just yeah, seeing, it's like seeing, I di- it's like
2: I smoked a bunch of opium. But- like fucking Robert
5: no, De Niro DMT that's like a DMT experience yes.
2: oh, it's God, like you're yeah.
0: seeing like the worst entitlement enacted out in the worst like costumes and the worst like version
2: of everything like and and I know it that it's sucks. also the future
5: exactly it's horrible now but it's going to be ubiquitous in in, in a year well that's that, that that's year, kind of that's the only you
3: know? thing that I feel good about San Francisco like that I feel good about living in san francisco about is this is the canary in the coal mine of capitalism right you're you're on the front lines we are at the front lines of the post-capitalist fucking dystopia that we're all about to enter into
0: i want to ban airpods
5: oh no
2: shit
0: i want to ban them i I think they should be illegal that
2: shit's gonna give you fucking brain damage right
0: i think they should be illegal I i think it's wrong I just think it's wrong.
2: <laughs> well, it's,
5: it, it should be wrong that you've got one hundred and fifty dollars to throw away on some on on disposable electronics that are, are are going to. If you don't lose them in six months, they're going to break in nine, and you're yeah. gonna, and you're going to keep throwing money it's at so shitty fucking headphones stupid. that just proclaim to the world, "I've got too much money in my pocket right now." I got
0: too much money, but you know what? They allow me to be sleek on the street. But
5: uh, surprising
2: the hand, on with on Dave, Dave the do, electronics they... manufacturer, that it comes back to shitty bait. Yeah, <laughs>
0: please let's let's talk. <laughs> Should be guess what that's that's very real and that's
5: fucking my
2: macbooks keep fucking breaking and i just want to do all my computing on my surge
5: <laughs> <laughs> but the earbuds will help us to identify the the targets when society collapses so yeah it'll be super yep. handy as well the
0: Patagonias. Are. exactly they as already are and i see them from a mile away